0: Welcome to the preaching ministry of Tri-City Baptist Church in Chandler, Arizona. Our desire is that God would be magnified through the preaching of His Word, and that Christians would be challenged, strengthened, and edified in their personal walk with Christ. It says in Proverbs thirteen twenty, "...he who walks with wise men will be wise." Several years ago, over a hundred years ago, Phillips Brooks pastored in Boston, and he made the statement of the importance of having an emphasis, a focus, on the lives of other Christians. He was talking about biographies, and do we have that PowerPoint? Not yet. Okay, I can read you the quote. Uh, But he was talking about the importance of taking Proverbs and walking with wise men and applying that practically. He said, well, it is good to walk among the living. It is good also to live with the wise, great, and good dead. It makes us always know that God made other men before he made us. It furnishes a constant background for our living. It provides us with a perpetual humility and inspiration. The point was that as we look at the lives of others, we realize God's continued working. And I would like us to take some time, because in Acts, Luke introduces us to various people. Some of the individual's names are very familiar to us. Others are less familiar. One of them that I would like us to consider is mentioned 29 times in the New Testament, 24 of those times in Acts. And yet he tends to blend into the background. Almost like he is camouflaged. While he is very present in a number of situations, we we hardly see him. His name is usually associated and and seen with the name of somebody else. I want us to consider the man Barnabas. We usually hear of him with somebody else. Paul and Barnabas. Or as he goes with Mark. And yet he really was a man who, who molded leaders in the early church he was a man who had an influence that that went in a number of directions but how much do you know about Barnabas I mean if we were to stop and and talk about okay let's let's pool our knowledge of Barnabas I, I don't know that that would be a real long conversation but we find a number of things mentioned about him. And, and I want us to consider him because I think he, he's one of those men who had a tremendous impact in the lives of others. He was, he was one that influenced others. Well, we, we know Paul. We know Peter. But Barnabas is a man who can challenge us because very few people will be like a Paul. But this was a man of character and compassion. He really shows a a character in his life. If you have your Bibles open, I'd like us to look together at Acts chapter 11, beginning of verse 21. Acts 11, beginning of verse 21. It says, The hand of the Lord was on them, speaking of the church at Antioch at this point, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. And when he came, he had seen the grace of God. He was glad and encouraged them all, with the purpose of heart that they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. In these verses, we we have this introduction, but. There's almost the question, why him? Why Barnabas? We're actually introduced to him back in chapter 4 of Acts, and we'll look at that in just a few moments. But Barnabas was not his given name. That was the name given to him by the apostles. His name was, was Joseph, Joseph. And yet his, his character was one that he was an encourager. And so the the apostles named him Barnabas, son of consolation, son of exhortation, son of encouragement. We we think son of consolation, and it's 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 kind of like he he came in second. He was runner up, you know, a consolation prize. That's not what it meant, but the, it, it's speaking of him being a person who would encourage others. That he he had such a character that rather than calling him by his given name, they nicknamed him. The, the son of encouragement. The one who, you know, Mr. Exhortation. And we find this in a number of areas that, that we see in Barnabas that he was a man of character. Often when we think of somebody who's an encourager, we, we tend to think that they want to also avoid, avoid conflict. You know, don't don't make waves, don't rock the boat, just you know, kind of let things go as they are. That really was not the case. In fact, we when we considered chapter thirteen last Sunday morning and what God was doing as the the church became a missions church, and frankly, the church in Antioch is going to eclipse the church in Jerusalem. This is going to become the sending church for missionaries. It's it's going to become the home base for, for the mission trips that Paul takes. But it it says that both Paul and Barnabas grew bold. They confronted the Jews that that because they rejected the word that it would now go to the Gentiles. He went with Paul to the Jerusalem council. This was was a place of of theology. There were a number of theological discussions that were going to take place there. And it came about because of a debate and a a conflict uh, dispute that arose in the church at Antioch. So he wasn't just Mr. Nice guy. He was a person of character, but he had the courage to confront. He had conviction to stand his ground, but he had a heart for others. He was a, a person that wanted to exhort others. So his name was Barnabas, son of encouragement. You remember as we a while back when we considered the 12 apostles and, and James and John, they were known as the sons of thunder well that was their character this man is son of encouragement this was what he was known for it's, it's kind of it's it's what people become known for and what a what a great testimony to have but there are several things that i think we can see in him and the characteristics of a person who impacts others for christ if we can get the powerpoint i can give those to you up there great right at that spot we are on, is, is it here now? Thank you. But I want us to consider the characteristics from Barnabas of what it would take to have an impact in the lives of the others. The first thing that we see is that he had a reputation of commitment. We see that in verse 24. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, of faith, and people were added to the church. He was a good man. This was the reputation of Barnabas. And we find that back in chapter, chapter 4. If you'll, if you'll turn back with me, and we're going to look at several passages this evening here in Acts. One of the things that you'll find as you read through the, the book of Acts that is Luke is the human instrument that God uses to pen his word is that one of the characteristics in Acts is we get introduced to people who will then be, we'll find out more about later. And so you you find out, and here we find out about Barnabas. He's mentioned in in Acts chapter 4, look at verse 36. It says, Then Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, the verses above this tell us that this was taking place. A number of people were, were selling possessions as the church is growing. A, a lot of these people had come to Jerusalem. They stayed. That hadn't been their plan, but as the, as, at Pentecost. And so others are now selling and, and giving what they have to see the ministry go forward. And, and Barnabas really moves to the head of that line because of his generosity. He had a piece of property on the island of Cyprus. Cyprus was fertile land at that time. It was an area that was known for, for producing. And if you owned property on, on Cyprus, it really was a, a testimony of prosperity, of means, and also of influence. And so for Barnabas to be in this situation, there, there would be some property, and, and his generosity stands out. Unfortunately, it's going to become the stark contrast to what happens in chapter 5. The story of Ananias and Sapphira. They see what's taking place. They see these people who are being generous, and so they decide they want to they get in on the reputation, but not with the level, same level of commitment. And so they sell property, they lie about it, and they didn't have to do that. They didn't have to sell the property. They didn't have to give all of it. But they wanted to have a reputation that didn't match what had taken place. And unfortunately, that is the the negative side. But the foil to that, the, the context, is set by the generosity of Barnabas. And so we see this taking place. Then the next time we see him is in chapter 9. If you'll turn over to chapter 9, we, we find him again. This is right after the conversion of Saul. The, the Damascus Road experience. And that's what chapter 9 is about. Uh, the breathing out of threats that's taking place and all that's going on here and saul is now going to damascus he's he's wanting to persecute continue the persecution of of christians and on the road to damascus he is converted his damascus road experience and and now he he's there in Damascus he's preaching he's now preaching Christ and his old friends turn against him. And so because of that Saul has to flee and he comes to Jerusalem. And as he comes to Jerusalem, now it says in verse 26 of chapter 9 and when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. How do you think that's going to go? Last time he was in Jerusalem, it was not because he was trying to join them, he was imprisoning them. It says he tries to join them, and then it goes on in verse 26 and says, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him, brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and how he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And so he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. And here is the second time that we find Barnabas. And we see that he is a person who's concerned. He's a good man. He's willing to take a chance on Saul. Why would he do that? Well, because he was a man of faith. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And one of the things that that faith does is it believes that people can change that a person of faith believes that people can change by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you see that in Barnabas. He was willing to, to take that chance on Saul when the other disciples were, no, we're, we don't buy this. We think he's just trying to use this to infiltrate. And then he's going to cause more problems. But Barnabas believed and in. in Saul and he takes him and he introduces him. What must that have been like? How many introductions did Barnabas get to, to say, Let me let me introduce you to Saul? You've you've probably heard of him, but let me tell you what's happened in his life. And to share that testimony. And, and, and so you see this. In fact, part of the reason I think that he was probably chosen to go to Antioch in chapter 11 was because not only was he from that general area, having owned property in Cyprus, but this was a wicked city. This was a city that, that lacked morals and was driven by lust. It, there was, it was a pagan city. And so now you need somebody who can go and see God's working in people's lives when they still have a ways to go. And what we see is that that he is one who recognizes that people can change, that they can grow, that that is the work of the Holy Spirit. He reaches out to Saul when nobody else would do that, that, that he's not doing that. And so now they're willing to send him to Antioch. And we'll see that as well. The second characteristic, though, that I want us to see is that he was a team player. They sent Barnabas. Why Barnabas? Well, if, if you look at it back in chapter 11, in verse 22, it says that they sent forth Barnabas. They, there was a need, and they saw Barnabas as the person who could go. As I mentioned, I think he's one that, that he could go into that situation and see God's working in people who, who still had a, a ways to go in the process of sanctification. But notice that he's sent by the church. He's willing to go for the sake of the ministry. He wasn't going to stay in Jerusalem and try to build his empire or, or, or really establish his own personal legacy. He was willing to serve where there was a need. And because of his commitment to the ministry in Jerusalem, they knew they could trust him to go to Antioch that he would be a person that would be involved. We we hardly know much about him, but he had that reputation in the church to send him forth. And we we see that he was willing to subordinate his rights for the sake of the ministry. You know, it, it was quite a ways away from Jerusalem. It was not going to see the same commitment of Jews and the religious climate And 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 there's no live stream, so he's going to go, and he's going to be separated from others. But but he's willing to do what is necessary to see the gospel go forth. You know, I I think it could have been the type of thing where he could have said, "You know, I've already done my part. I I took a chance on on Saul. You know, let somebody else go deal with Antioch. This is a, a fledgling church. This is this is a lot of new believers, and new believers are going to have some challenges." And he's seen that there are going to be some areas where there's going to be a challenge, but he's willing to go. He has that commitment, and people are willing to trust him because of that. You know, Are, are we willing to do that? He, he didn't say, you know, sorry, I don't do Antioch. It's a long way away. I, I really like Peter's preaching. I want to stay in Jerusalem with Peter. And, you know, and, and can't somebody else go? Now He's living for a cause that's bigger than him. And we actually know Barnabas because he served others we know him because of his service for the lord you know he's willing to be part of that 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 sometimes people want to be on the team but they want to be the coaches barnabas was willing to go wherever and he really fades into the background because he was such a team player In fact, when he gets to Antioch and he sees what God is doing, he also sees there's a need, and now he's going to go on to Tarshish to find Saul again and bring him to Antioch. And so the third thing that we really see is that he was discerning God's will in the lives of others. So when he came to Antioch, he sees the grace of God. He sees what God is doing in their lives. And I find this fascinating, because, as I mentioned, this was a pagan city. And so when sinners get saved and they're being saved, there is going to be a radical change that takes place. They're going to get a new name, they have new life, they have a new goal, they have an eternal, new eternal destiny. But those are all inward changes. You know, a lot of the outward things are the same. They live in the same house. They have the same job the same spouse, the same boss, and they're bringing baggage from their former life. You know, when you, when you see that, it's, some of these changes are going to take time. In fact, you see this with new Christians. When they're saved with no background, it takes time to grow. And, and it's easy to be judgmental. It's much harder to show grace and mercy and see God's working, see the grace of God in their lives. When they don't have it all together yet. And when they're still struggling. And, and it's interesting to see that, that Barnabas was the type of person who could go into that situation. You know, that's the day in which we live. It used to be that people had a pretty much a Judeo-Christian foundation. They understand the Bible, but even though if they weren't living it, that's not the case anymore. And so it takes a lot of teaching, line upon line, precept upon precept. It takes discernment to decide, okay, what are the big rock issues? And what are the others? Do do you think that just any Pharisee from Jerusalem could have gone to Antioch and stepped into that kind of situation? I mean, the the Pharisees were great at keeping the law, but they struggled in in some of the changes. Even Peter struggled. When when he's going to the Gentiles, and of course we know the the vision that he has to rise, kill, and eat of all these meats, and, and, and he says, not so, Lord. I'm not touching anything that's unclean which was an interesting statement because he's staying in the house of a tanner who's dealing with dead stuff and would make him unclean. But he, he would say, I'm not going to eat those things. Now, we don't really understand that because as Gentiles and in the new dispensation in the age of grace, that's not a problem for us. You know, we, we love eating things that they would have considered unclean. And so we don't get the repulsion that that would have been to them. For a Jew to eat pork. I mean, that, they would have had the, the visceral reaction in the same way of, of committing fornication. Now, we don't think of that way because it's like, well, one's a moral issue and the other's, that was a ceremonial. But for them, it was one. And, and there really would be a barrier. And we, we don't understand that. We don't tend to see that but you you try to deal with a a jew or a muslim today and that is still a big deal i I still remember i've shared with you before the the first time i ever visited tri-city was when you hosted the foundations baptist fellowship conference i think it was back in 2012. it's the first time i'd ever been to arizona and it was in june and it was the first time i'd ever felt this kind of heat in fact kevin pastor Shaw called me a a while back he said would you would you ever consider hosting the fbf meeting i said kevin i'd be glad for us to do it but you remember what it's like here in june it's always held the second week of june do we really want to do that to people like it it, it's it's usually done just so often so people forget just how bad it was And, and he he realized yeah that's probably not a good idea But the first time I came out here, I flew and I was sitting next to a Jewish girl on the plane. And we spent most of the the flight in conversation and talking about the gospel and talking about different religious things and and just had a, a really good conversation on this plane. And, and I landed in, at Sky Harbor. I, I had called somebody to pick me up. I called my brother-in-law. He was going to come pick me up. And so I had a little bit of time. I thought, I'm just going to get something to eat. Went to one of the restaurants. I sit down and I ordered a BLT, bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich. I'm sitting there eating. And you know I'd said goodbye to this person. We had talked. And, and, and she walked by with her luggage. And she looked at what I was eating. And she said, bacon. Now, for me, that's a positive. <laughs> that was not what it meant for her. And if I had known that would happen, I would have never ordered that. It just never crossed my mind. Because it's not a problem for us. But understanding the importance of being discerning, to know how to major on the majors and minor on the minors, to realize the process of sanctification is a process. Yes, it's an act that takes place at salvation. We are set apart. But there's still a lot to do. There's still that growth. So when Paul writes to the church at Corinth, he talks about them being sanctified. And then he's going to deal with a whole list of problems where they need to grow in their sanctification. Well, to step into that kind of a situation, it takes discernment. To see God's working without developing a critical, judgmental spirit. That's easy. To become, to look down on others. I think for Barnabas to walk into this kind of a situation and to be an encourager to people who are struggling was going to take discernment. It was going to take seeing the grace of God in their lives and then seeing God's grace applied in his life. Barnabas had eyes that could look beyond the imperfections and see the grace of God. To, to see the work of God, even in the midst of, of people who are growing, because there would be a lot of problems at Antioch. And Pharisees who had a reputation of, of, of straining at the gnat and swallowing a camel, as, as Jesus confronted them with, which was, is really a humorous statement, and what a great line. That they would be so careful to make sure they didn't swallow something that in their beverage that would make them unclean, that wasn't appropriate, and, and yet they they would take in a whole bunch of other stuff. And Jesus is saying, you're you're careful about the teeniest little creature and, and you're missing the big issues. Well, to send somebody like that to Antioch is not going to help that church it's going to be a a matter of upheaval. And folks, I'm spending time here because we have to be on guard that we also don't do that. Because it's easy to say, well, that person isn't doing... Okay, but really what we need to be focused on is what is their direction? Are we able to delight in discerning a spiritual direction even though they're not there yet? You know, and and to see God's working in their life... When when we were in Maine, there was one Sunday we had a a couple walk into the service and they, they walk in and they sat in the very second row. And visitors don't usually do that. You know, regular church people don't usually do that. I mean, the whole reason you have a first row is so people can sit behind it. And, and there, it's, it's so you can sit in a second row. And they came in, they sit in the second row, and he had hair down to his shoulders. He's in blue jeans and sandals. And that is not your normal dress in Maine for churches. Maine tends to be fairly conservative, and so white shirt, dark suit, that was pretty standard for me there. And, and he came and he sat down, and, and after the service, I was talking with somebody, he started to dislike me, I thought, I've got to greet him, because this, we're, we're kind of in different worlds. And so I, I greeted them, spoke with them, said, you know, so glad to have you. He said, we'll be back. And they came back that evening and started asking a lot of questions. And it was interesting because they had, re- they had been saved out of the Jesus revolution. The, the Jesus people, and, and that was their background. They loved the word, they loved the Lord. Uh, but there were some areas, I thought, you know, there's areas that need to be, there need, needs to be growth, and, and it was neat to see as they came and just continued, and, and, and I had to keep in mind, okay, what are the big issues here? They have a heart for the truth. It's not my job to play junior Holy Spirit. It's my job to give the word and let the Holy Spirit work. And it was, it was really a delight to see how God worked in their lives. And, and to see areas that, that I would say, okay, this is an area where we need to see growth. He, he made a comment in passing once, and I said, well, you know, the Bible does have a few things to say about that area. And that's all I said. I never told him where. I never gave him verses because I knew his heart was, I want to know what the Bible says. And he studied it and came back, and we had some really interesting discussions over some of those areas. We as a church have to have the discernment to say, what is the direction? Not, are they where I want them to be? Because frankly, if they change for pleasing us, that's not a positive. They need to pl- change to please the Lord and to honor, the, honor God. So if you can't d- discern and delight in someone's direction, it's going to limit ministry. Because lack of vision will be lack of ministry. Barnabas was a person who had vision. He could see the direction and he could see what needed to be done. He was a man of faith. He was willing to make it happen. He was a team player because he was willing to go and find somebody like Saul to come. And frankly, Saul is going to outshine Barnabas. But it's not about him. It's about the work of the Lord. The fourth thing that we see is that he was one who would challenge others to remain faithful. In chapter 11, verse 23, it says, And he encouraged them that with purpose of heart, they should continue with the Lord. His desire was that they would grow, that genuine saving faith is going to result in a change of life, and he's going to encourage them in that. He wants them to see that. He, he's willing to get involved. He's willing to invest in the lives of others personally and practically. It's life-touching life. That's why we have to come together as a church. Yes, we, we are glad that we can put our services on live stream, but there's the not forsaking us, the assembling of ourselves together. We make that available for those who can't come, but we need to come because we need to minister to one another. Say, well, I can get as much out of it. Yes, but you can't give. And it's, it, we see in Barnabas, he's challenging others. He's getting involved in their lives. He's, he's exerting himself. And it says in, in verse 24 much more, much more people are being added to the church. So he is multiplying ministry by getting involved in lives. So he's willing to do whatever it takes to see the ministry go forward. And then the fifth thing that we see is that he was a dependable person. It says in, back in chapter 11, in verses that we didn't read, but in verses 29 and 30, as, as word comes, it says in verse 27 of, of chapter 11, these days the prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, Agabus, stood up and, and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar, then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. So word comes to Antioch, there's going to be this terrible famine, and they determined we want to help out our brothers in Judea. And it says in verse 30, And this they also did, they sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. They said, who are, we going to, who are we going to send the money with? They're going to send it with somebody they trust. Somebody that's dependable. They send it with Barnabas and Saul. Because of their dependability. We see this is a man who had a, te- a reputation of being committed. Of being willing and, and being part of a team. Discerning God's working in the lives of others. Of challenging them to be faithful because he was a dependable person and the challenge for us is be dependable one of the things that was drilled into me in college is the greatest ability is dependability i've told our young people many times told our college students if you just show up for work you'll have a job in this in the culture in which we live if you will be faithful but how much more that should be the case for serving god not as i service as men pleasers but that we're seeking to do it for the advancement of the cause of Christ. Not for our agenda, but for His. So how can we apply this? I think what we can see from the, li- the life of Barnabas in this first aspect of, is being available. Be available to serve. That wherever God places us, and, and see that working, that intentionally striving to encourage others. That's, that's why our small groups are so important. Our, our adult bible fellowships our care and shares our our ladies bible studies our men's breakfasts, our our prayer time as a church because it we're intentionally encouraging one another it's life touching life that as we come together that's one of the reasons i say at the end of our evening service take some time for fellowship because it really gives us a t- opportunity to intentionally touch the lives of others that we're investing for eternity by investing in eternal souls. That is, it's our, prog- our programs, what we do, those are to help move things forward, but that's not what it's about. It's about people. Those are tools, but our, our goal has to be in, to invest in the lives of others. Edmund Hebert, in his statement on Barnabas, said this. He said, Barnabas stands out as one of the choicest saints of the early Christian church. He had a gracious personality characterized by a generous disposition and possessed a gift of insight concerning the spiritual potential of others. He excelled in building bridges of sympathy and understanding across the chasms of difference that divided individuals, classes, and races. He lived apart from petty narrowness and suspicion and had a largeness of heart, that enabled him to encourage those who failed and to help the friendless and needy. He did have his faults and his shortcomings, but those faults arose out of the very traits that made him such a kind and generous man. His ready sympathy for others, failings, and his eagerness to think the best of everyone. Lord willing, next week we'll look at some of those failures that rose out of his character his desire to help. But he was willing to befriend the friendless. Think back to Saul having to flee Damascus because his life was in jeopardy by the very people that he had been working with. And to come to Jerusalem and having no friends. His his old crowd wants nothing to do with him. And the believers don't trust him. And Barnabas was the one who befriended him reached out to him. That faithfulness of seeing God's work. A a man of faith who's willing to trust God's work in others. Barnabas is a man of character and compassion. And I think what we've seen this evening give us some, some hooks that we can hang on that we too would encourage others. That impact others for Jesus Christ. Let's pray together.